welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. We, um, come on up here. The Holy Spirit's just been really speaking to me this week. And he said that um, the glory is coming and is happening. And so he said to make room in your hearts for more. And I, I felt like that Christy had this amazing dream the other night. I wanted her to tell it and to tell its interpretation. I felt like the Holy Spirit just told me whoever has an ear to hear tonight. That, you know, it's like I told you on Sunday that when our hearts are not humble, when our hearts, this amazing supernatural entity is meant to hear and see in the supernatural. It's not in the natural, but when we're, when we have anything negative in there, whether it be fear or condemnation or judgment or offense or all the tools of the enemy, then it blocks us from hearing what God's really saying. You know, I don't know how many times I record something and I send it to the person and they say, man, I didn't even hear what you said the right way because there was a block. And so right now, if you want to hear this word tonight, I just challenge you, you know, whether you have something blocking it or not. You know, like I said the other day, I think the greatest impact that that Phil said in his breakthrough was that he would come every service and be stubborn. And the moment we lay down what is blocking us, you, you have to understand that it's a block on your own heart and the Holy Spirit doesn't want it. He didn't make it. He's not intending you to use it for anything. And so sometimes we get sort of seized up and we can't really hear what God's saying and we miss breakthrough and we miss expansion. So this is a message tonight of this great expansion of what the, what the Holy Spirit's already doing. You know, I was impacted today when I listened to that video that he said that 700 million people are filled with the Spirit. Do you ever have that Elijah moment where you think you're all alone? 700 million people are filled with the Spirit across this planet. So we are not alone. 700 million people are filled with the Spirit. So let's just act like we're not alone, okay? So listen to Chrissy as she tells us this dream and interpretation she had. Yeah. That's <laughs> good. Um, so in this dream, I was in a spaceship. I was in space. And I was with a few pe few other people, and the spaceship that we were in, um, something happened, and I c I didn't know what it was until r just now. But the front of the spaceship was open, like it had been sort of torn open, and I have been puzzled by it a little bit to know what that meant. But I just figured it out when Tisa said that the open spaceship in the front was our open hearts. Uh, op open hearts and open ears where we've torn everything out of the way and just said, come in. You know, we've just said, come in. Yeah, but come in. So um, that's the open spaceship. So I was in the spaceship in the dream and I'm traveling through and this thing had happened, but because this front of the spaceship was now open, some people had gotten into fear and were sort of scrambling to try to help, um, to try to, you know, figure out what was happening. 
And some of us were sitting down at the front of the ship, like bracing ourselves with our, our feet forward, bracing ourselves. And somebody said, well, can't you stop the ship? Because we were traveling forward. And I said, no, we're being pulled forward in time. And so there, there was no, it was very, very uh, distinct. It was a, a huge part of the dream was that we weren't propelling ourselves. The ship wasn't moving itself. We weren't being pushed from behind. We weren't, nothing was propelling us forward. We were being pulled forward in time. We weren't traveling distance. We were traveling in forward in time. And that represents this acceleration that we've been prophesying and other prophets have been saying that we are, there's an acceleration right now happening in the spirit where we can, we can partner with him and come into alignment and be accelerated, um, into, um, the full operation that we're meant to have in his glory and with his spirit. And so, like I said, there were some people in the dream that were, there was some fear because it was sort of an unknown. And I guess because this exposure in the front, you know, and, and here we are, we're going through space. We don't, we're not in control of the ship. Didn't know what was happening, where we were going. But then suddenly this huge, massive space station came into view. And now space represents the higher things of the spirit, okay? Going to like the highest outer limits of the spirit, like the operating in the highest realm of, of the spirit. And so we were traveling through space, but now there was a space station where all of these people lived there. They lived in the space station. You know, they don't, they don't just go up to a visit for a visit and come back down, but they were living there. And so we, there was this great excitement and relief and anticipation that we were approaching the space station and we were, we could tell we were lined up to, to dock at this open gate. And so then the previous fear, like the people were saying, can't we make the ship stop? It all switched to saying, Oh, I hope we have enough momentum to connect to get there. It was a really, really, really powerful dream. Now, there was a second part to the dream that shifted scenes, but in this scene, we were in, I guess, a setting sort of like this, except it was a lot, maybe a lot bigger, some sort of service type thing was happening. And I was going around and I was collecting all of the safety belts that had been given to everybody who'd been there for the service. And they were these certain kind of safety belts that were like a harness, and they would kind of hold you in the seat. So I I collected them from all everybody there, but two particular um, types of people stood out to me. One where there were there were these older women who handed me their safety belt, and I could tell by the the way it was handed back to me that it had never even been opened. You know, it was still like in its packaging, like in its original format, it had never even been opened. It hadn't been used. And I just knew that it was because they were older and they were like, we already know how to do this. I'm not doing this newfangled thing you came up with. You know, we know how the things of the spirit work. We know, we, we know how the God, God does things and we're not, you know, we're not going to participate with this new thing. And so they wouldn't use the safety belt. Now, in contrast to that, I came across this little girl and she was sort of just being childlike and was like, well, why do I have to wear this? And I don't know why I don't really want to wear this thing. And, you know, why do we even have to wear that? So I 
got down on her level and I was just being playful with her and I demonstrated for her in a fun, playful way that if she didn't wear the safety belt and the safety harness, then when all the excitement was happening in the service that she would just get bumped right out of her chair and would be laying on the ground and unable to see what was happening. And so with that demonstration, and she realized what was at stake, and she realized that, well, I don't want to miss anything. I don't want to be laying on the floor when the show's up here. You know, I don't want to be just laying on the ground and getting bumped out of the way and not be able to, to be involved with what was happening. And so the symbolism there is, of course, someone that's childlike, becoming like a child. I believe it's Matthew 18, 3, I think. Uh, 18, Matthew 18, at least, that it says, unless you become like a little child, you won't be able to enter the kingdom of God. And so childlike attributes include being able to yield, trusting, obeying, all of that kind of thing. And just in being um, fascinated with the awe and the wonder, where the awe and the wonder is important enough to you that you're willing to do whatever you have to, to have to to be a part of it. And so um, we, Tisa and I were discussing this and the, she asked the Holy Spirit, well, what is the safety belt that you've been presenting to this tribe, to, to us presently? And she heard that it was the belt of truth. And there's been a real um, definite theme um, running um, for quite a while now, actually, but that where, you know, she's presenting truth and we've talked about, well, what do you do when you hear truth? You, do you decide what your actions are going to look like when you hear the tr with that new truth? Or are you just going to be honest with yourself about whether you believe the truth? Or are you, what are you going to do with that truth? Are you going to let the truth be planted in you? I mean, if you look back through our sermons, we've been talking about it for quite a while. And of course, um, we've talked about how the truth will cast out the darkness, you know, the seeds of truth being planted and on and on and on. And of course, there's a tremendous amount of truth being presented every service here and in between services. And but every single person has the opportunity to decide if they're going to reject that thing and be stubborn with that truth, you know, because like, well, I don't really need that. I already know how to do this or whatever. All those things that we say, you know, humanity says the, that that old woman in the dream also represented the old man. It's the old nature not just a previous generation, but our Adam nature, our old selves that we've been redeemed from. But we always have a choice about whether or not we're going to still operate out of that old man when new truth is presented. And so the, there are, all of us have the opportunity when truth is presented to decide if we're going to, to receive it and fasten it to us and let it be a part of what holds us safely in this process that God has us in right now. And as holds us safely into this, in this process of pulling us ahead into his glory, into this kingdom age where his glory is going to be spilled out. And, you know, there's already been some prophetic words that's where these prophets were told, um, the Lord told them, my glory is already open. My glory is already coming. You don't need to pray for it anymore. You don't, we don't need to pray, send your glory. The, the difference, the, the issue now is, are you in alignment to even know it and to receive it and operate in it? Because if you're, if the glory is coming down right here and you're over here, then you're going to, you're not going to get it. You're not going to be a part of it. You're not going to see it. You're not going to be experience it. And it's not going to be able to flow through you. So the alignment, which of course 
is incredible since that's the book that we're on in all of our small groups is alignment. And so for this season, um, it's, it's critically important. And so much is at stake because we want to, the Holy Spirit is leading the truth that is being poured out now because he knows it's what is going to hold us and fasten us into what he's pulling us into. So we have a choice. Are we going to get bumped out because we want to be too stubborn about it? Or we want to be open like the front of that ship, just be wide open and exposed to what he's bringing. So everything that we're being pulled into actually enters us. It doesn't just go around us, but it comes in, into our hearts. So when we were discussing that dream, the Holy Spirit told me the scripture, and of course, it's just kind of how it works with Christy and I a little bit, but um, I think that, you know, the the meaning of it kind of just really began to unfold to me today. And it's, if you want to turn there with me, it's in Luke 17. The scripture that he told me is actually way on down in, um, I think it's verse 34. The scripture that just came to my mind was Luke 17, 34. And it's the one where it says, you know, there might be two laying in the bed together. And I was, I've always, heard that scripture in conjunction only with um, the rapture. Um, but he kind of gave me a little different slant on it today that I want to propose to you. One of the reasons why I think it began to stand out to me was verse 33. It says, all who are obsessed with being secure in life will lose it all, including their lives. But those who let go of their lives and surrender them to me will discover true life. Um, you know, one of the things that that came to me today was, you know, why is it so hard to give up our lives to God? You know, I think that I don't believe that we don't understand it. So, I mean, if you're sitting here right now saying, well, I don't know if I understand how to give up my life. It's just, I just feel like it's not possibly true. I think there's just way too much teaching and way too much understanding of it. But maybe tonight, you know, I can shed a little light on more about it. And so when I was thinking about this verse, and in the next verse it says, For in that night there will be two laying there together in one bed, and one will suddenly be swept away while the other will be left alive. There will be two women working together at household duties and one will suddenly be swept away while the other one will be left alive. And in, interesting enough, in the Passion Translation, it says those who are swept away are taken to judgment. It doesn't really sound like the rapture to me. Okay, that's okay. You'll have to listen later. But those who are left behind remain to enter into kingdom glory. And so I was thinking, well, what in the world was he even talking about in this chapter? Because, you know, I love to figure out the whole story. And so let's just start back at verse 1. 
you know, different versions say different things. In the Amplified Version, it says, Jesus said to his disciples, stumbling blocks are sure to come. And so when you look in the Passion, you know, he, he calls it betrayal or to stumble. But if you actually look it up in the Greek, this is what it's called. The word is called scandalon. And that's where we get our word scandal. And so what that word actually means is it's a trigger or a trap. It's an impediment or like a rock placed in the way causing one to stumble or fall. And it also says that it applies to Jesus whose person and assignment were so contrary to the expectations of the Jews concerning what the Messiah would look like, that they rejected him and by their own obstinance, they made a shipwreck of their own lives and salvation. So Jesus, it's another woe. We've been talking about woes of Jesus. He's saying that they're going to happen. Stumbling blocks, triggers, people throwing rocks in your path. And so when I got to thinking about that, I, I love Isaiah 40 because it actually talks about this. Let's read it before we go on. It says, your God says to you, comfort, comfort my people with gentle, compassionate words. Speak tenderly from the heart to, to revive those and proclaim that their warfare is over. When you read that in the Passion, he taught, he says that our, I love it, he says, the warfare of Romans 7, which you have to go back and read that, has ended and we've become victorious overcomers who move into Christ's victory. We sang about it on Sunday, found in Romans 8. So what's found in Romans 8? Romans 8 is our my favorite thing that we, our whole entire One Life tribe is about. Yeah which is the universe is standing still on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of the glorious sons and daughters. But, but the previous verse to that, verse 14 says, the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. So that tells me <coughs> that tells me the Holy Spirit has these impulses, right? It, he has these ways, correct? And so one of the things that you can guarantee is a sign of immaturity is that they can't recognize or move with the Holy Spirit. It's not a sign, it's not fatal. You know, the funny thing about immaturity is that we, we tend to, to use immaturity to judge others. And so then we judge others' actions through the lens of our immaturity. And so then what always happens with that? Take a little kid, for instance. So he judges, she judges her parents, his parents, through the lens of why can't I eat all the candy I want to eat? Because if you eat all the candy you want to eat, you'll what? You'll rot your teeth out. You'll get a cavity, right? It will become evident 
at some point you ate candy, right? It's just, but see, through the lens of an immature little kid, that doesn't translate. They probably haven't had a cavity yet, or they probably don't even understand what would be like to have no teeth. So see, that's the immature part. What are you pointing at? So, okay. So, I don't know. So, so immaturity has a lens, right? And so what happens when God is about to pour out his glory? And so one of the things in Isaiah 40, it also talks about is making the way, I, I, I just don't have to read it. Let me read it. Um, it says, her debt is paid. Her sin is paid and she will not be treated as guilty. Prophesy to her that she has received from the hand of Yahweh twice as many blessings as all her sins. A thunderous voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way for Yahweh's arrival. Now, you know, I've told you this many times. I, I got a little commentary about it that I can read it to you. It says, we must get our hearts leveled by divine grace. So remember when the kings would come to town, I have a little thing. It says the idea is taken from the practice of monarchs. Whenever they were going to enter into an expedition or a journey through the desert or countries that were not civilized, they sent harbingers, people out ahead. They sent pioneers out ahead to remove all the impediments to level the ways and open the passes. So it's that, see, that is what is happening right now is that the glory, the king is coming. Forget the rapture for a minute. Can you? The king's glory, his spirit is going to be poured out on all flesh on the planet. What is your role? Just to get a lick of the ice cream cone, a lick of the glory, to get some goosebumps, dance around. What's your role? You know it's coming. Your neighbor doesn't know it's coming. People at work don't know it's coming. Now listen, you don't understand what the glory, do you know what the glory is? It's the manifested presence of the living God. It's coming. It's happening. God's doing God demos all over the place. You know, the greatest thing Pam ever said was, I don't want to miss it. But what did she have to do? She had to give up what was the impediment, the stumbling block, the trigger, the rock. She had to make level her heart. Let me read this. It says, we've got to make our hearts level by grace. Those who are hindered from comfort in Christ by their rejections and by their disappointments those are the valleys that have to be exalted those that are hindered from comfort and by a proud conceited heart from their own merit or worth that's the mountains or the hills that have to be made low and so you you have to understand the king is coming the glory is coming so if you're too exalted you get better get that down low. If you're too disappointed, you're too low, you better fill that up. 
Because the king is coming. It says, those who have entertained any prejudices against the ways and words of God, even if it's untraceable, even their inclination and secular interests, those are the crooked ways that have to be made straight. Those are the rough places that have to be made plain. See, it's really clear that they're, they're, the king is coming, and Isaiah 40 is describing it to us. Let's keep reading it. It says, prepare the way for Yahweh's arrival. Make the highway straight through the desert for God, for your God. Every valley will be raised up. Every mountain will be brought low. The rugged terrain will become a level ground, and the rough places plain. Then... Then, turn to your neighbor, say then. See, if, if we're, you have to understand, immaturity requires us to work on these things. Everyone, what's your role going to be when the glory is poured out? Are you going to be able to see what your brother needs? Let's, let's finish reading in, in Luke. I just love this. It says, one day Jesus taught his disciples, betrayers, betrayals are inevitable, these stumbling blocks, but great devastation will come to the one guilty of betraying others. You don't want to be that, right? Have you ever betrayed anybody? Have you ever put a stumbling block in anybody? Have you ever offended anybody? Have you ever hurt anybody? Whoa. That's why Jesus said, whoa. See, you have to understand, we're only capable of doing that how? When our heart is not moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. It says, of course, you know, the rest of it would be better for a big old heavy boulder to be tied around his head and throw. Why? What he's saying is, if your heart is intent on hurting others, the destruction that just inevitably comes, no one even has to do anything. We only have to pray for it. Just the nature of that kind of heart, it would be better that you just drowned. A miserable drowning death with a boulder around your neck. That's why he's saying. But listen, he says, it would be better the boulder be tied around his neck, hurled into the deepest sea, than to face the punishment of betraying one of my dear ones. So, turn to your neighbor and say so. Be alert to your brother's condition. See, doesn't this just remove that I'm not going to get involved process? Jesus is saying, hey, your brother is going to get all offended. Going to get all triggered up. Going to miss why they're here. So pay attention. It says, if you see him going the wrong way. Now remember who he was talking to. He was talking to the disciples. Jesus always had different instructions. For, <laughs> for his disciples, for his followers, for his believers than he did for the Pharisees and Sadducees. They were so sad, right? To the worldly people, right? He didn't even talk to the religious people. See, that's why if you partner with the religious people, uh, spirit, no one can talk to you the same. Yes. 
tells you if we're going to have a culture and honor, you're going to have to get some language for the religious spirit and the political spirit. And guess what? Your language to the person who carries it is going to be offensive. You're too chicken for that, aren't you? You're too chicken. I think you're too chicken. You're a bunch of chickens. See why? Because someone who agrees and partners as Phil with the with the religious spirit, the political spirit, they're blind, deaf, and dumb. They're in complete and utter chaos. They are anxiety filled. They have ticks and twitches, and they are completely consumed internally with a lying demonic spirit. So be alert to your brother's condition. If you see him going the wrong direction, cry out and correct him. Can you do it? I don't know. I'm going to be checking. It says, and then if there's true repentance on his part, forgive him. No matter how many times in one day your brother sins against you, if he says, I'm sorry, I'm changing, forgive me, then you have to forgive him every single time. Don't you love Jesus? He gives you the contrast. If you got somebody all defensive, all, you know, no, you can't tell me that, I don't believe you, then you just keep it on, man. Keep the fire going. Keep the fire on. Keep the fire. I don't, you, you can ask Phil. I would say to him, stop it. I kept the fire going. I was like, you're not doing that here. Until one day he said, I think I won't do that here. <laughs> because why? See, he wasn't in his role. I couldn't even make plans for him. Upon hearing this, the apostles, the disciples said, cried out to God, cried out to Jesus and said, Lord, you must increase our measure of faith. <laughs> I love it in the emphasis, increase our faith, our ability to confidently trust in, the, in God and the power of God. Why were they saying that? Because he just put the responsibility on them to be their brother's keeper. And like Cain, what'd he say? Am I my brother's keeper? He ain't on my mind. Y'all don't think y'all are on my mind? I know everybody in here, what spirit they're connected to. It's going on all the time. It's not a secret. It's just an impediment to your destiny. It's a stumbling block to you. And since you are meant to remove all the stumbling blocks so the king can come in, then you have to remove it from here and you have to remove it from there. So you have to keep on until they're convinced it's a stumbling block. Because see, when they're blind, they think they're good. Remember when Shooty told Jackie? That was the moment. That was Jacqueline's freedom. She's never been the same since. Now Pam's telling me, man, this girl, this Jacqueline, she's on fire. Her, her. 
see, she can see in here. She told me the other day, I said, Pam, okay, listen, girls. I said to Pam and Lenny, I said, we got to do something about demoniac Sabrina coming up. We just can't be scaring everybody in the room by screaming out people's names. And Pam said, I'm getting Jackie. Jackie ain't scared of nothing. Pam says, I'm getting Phil. He ain't scared of nothing. See, remember I was preaching on leaven. And the fire walked in the room. Crawled up the stairs. On all fours. Growled at Lynn and called her a bee. All while Christy said, God, Holy Spirit, if there's anything... Is there something right there? And then ping, fire, 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 fire. It just went all over the room. Did you see it? What was your reaction? Did you freak out? Were you scared? I know, Moo, you're not ever scared. Don't shake your head. I'm just kidding. See, part of the people in the room got scared. Part of the people in the room didn't. Remember David? He was looking for some warriors. Do you know that story? Remember they they just, some of them just stuck their head in the water and just drank it like a dog, it said. The others, they kept it in their hand. God can do more with someone who can look around than he can someone who's really thirsty. See, in that day, God reduced his army to so small, but he can do something through someone who's willing to do it his way. Yes. So I love it. They were crying out, please, please, give us more faith. Give us more ability to confidently trust in you. And of course, you know, the loving Jesus says, well, if you had even the teeniest, weeniest, tiniest amount of faith, then this is what he said. If you have even the smallest measure of faith, that faith is powerful enough to say to this large tree, my faith will pull you up by the roots and throw you into the sea. And it will have to respond to you and obey you because of your faith. Yes. So remember what he said a few verses before. So be alert to your brother's condition. And then they said, give me more faith. And he said, you got enough faith to pull up the roots. You got enough faith, a little bit of faith. Because why? Because God's more interested in freedom. So he's more interested in when two are laying there together, that one is plucked out into judgment. The other one remains to experience the kingdom glory. So do you understand what he's saying tonight? That this is going to happen. Two things are going to happen. The king of glory is coming in and there's going to be boulders. There's going to be rocks. There's going to be triggers. There's going to be, that's going to happen. First off, he says, don't be the one to trigger people. Don't be one to hurt people. Don't be the one, whatever. I love, I, I got this little snippet from a lady today on a, I don't even remember where I saw it, but let me read it to you. She said, some of y'all seem to forget that children are just small people trying to figure out the world. 
They're allowed to have breakdowns. They're allowed to not like things. They're allowed to have a hard time. Stop expecting children to handle their emotions when y'all can't handle yours yourself. (laughs) Snap. Right? So if we are going to be a culture that wants the king to come in, I love, let's jump over to Malachi real quick. Are you there? Do you even know where Malachi is? It's the Italian prophet. I have it pulled up. Hang on, but I have 400 scriptures, so clearly I'm not going to get to all of them. Seriously. There it is. Malachi 3. It's famous for bringing all the tithe into the storehouse. But before that, this is what it says. These are the words. This is in a voice. These are the words of the eternal, the commander. Say commander. Commander. Of the heavenly uh, uh, armies. Pay attention. I'm sending my messenger and he will clear the road for me. Now, you know, he's talking about John the Baptist here. But I propose to you that this generation's glory needs a messenger to run out ahead of God. Is that you? See, the the thing you have to remember is that God always tells what he's about to do. And the enemy always counterfeits it. You know, all these movements and all the stuff that's going on, the gender movement, Black Lives Matter movement, poverty movement, religious movement, you know, all these movements, Title IX, all on and on and on. All of those are counterfeits for what God's going to do. That's why it's being so elevated because the enemy's so crazy. He always pinpoints and counterfeits a false solution to get our hopes up in a false way. But see, if you're going to let the King of Glory come in, he's going to bring the real solution. It doesn't matter what society makes up. It doesn't matter if you got a label or a shirt. It doesn't matter. He's still the answer. So that's what he's saying. My message, I'm sending my messenger and he will clear the road ahead of me. The Lord you seek will suddenly arrive at his temple. What's his temple now? Thank you. God's into suddenlies. Okay, I'm telling you, y'all, I am just telling you, I'm prophesying to you tonight. All this is a prophecy because the, because God told me today that he is going to have some suddenlies. And it is so important that we clear away the impediments out of our own hearts. And so he's saying this for this reason right here. And the messenger of God's covenant will be your soul's delight. Watch, he is coming too. He says, can anyone live through the day when he arrives? Will anyone be left standing when he appears? Because he is a purifying fire. He is like lye soap. He is like a refiner of silver. He will purify the descendants of Levi. Who's that? Who's that? It's the priests. It's the priests. What did the priests do in the Old Testament? He's purifying 
a segment of society right now to bring in the glory of God. It's only the purified. That's why you can have no impediments. Listen, if you're offended, if you're hurt, if you're disappointed, if you're anything, it is the enemy. I don't care what you want to make it out to be. You are blind to what really happened. And so the enemy loves to make sure you keep all of those blocks. Because why? The, the, the king won't come down that road. He can't. It says, he will, he's like a refiner of silver. He will purify the descendants of Levi until they are pure. Unalloyed gold and silver. What does that mean? There is no imperfections or impurity in them anymore. How does he do that? Fire. How does he do that? Fire. What's fire for you? I mean, can I tell you, I have met so many people in my life. Years ago, I read this book by John Bevere called Unoffendable. I think, I can't remember what it's called, but it's something like that. And I, I was a candidate to be offended at everything everybody did. Have you ever gone to the restaurant and they didn't get your food right? That's your fire. Have you ever gone somewhere over and over and they charge you the wrong thing? That's your fire. Have you ever worked somewhere and people don't, they just rub you the wrong way? All the same thing always happens. That's your fire. It's in you. No matter where you go, no matter where you work, no matter who you marry, no matter who you're in relationship, no matter what, you carry that impediment and the fire keeps falling, but you keep stepping away. He will purify the descendants of Levi until they are pure. Unalloyed gold and silver. Then, turn to your neighbor, say she's got another then for us. This is exciting. Then they will draw near to the eternal. Presenting offerings with righteous, clean hands. And then... The eternal one will unequivocally accept their sweet offerings. You don't know how exciting that is. You're missing it. I can tell. Half the room's missing it. You want God to accept. First Corinthians 2, things never discovered or heard of before. Things beyond your imagination or ability to imagine. These are the things, the many things that God has in store for all of his lovers. But God now unveils these profound realities to us by the Spirit. Yes, he has revealed to us his inmost heart and his deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit who constantly explores all things. After all, who can really see into a person's heart and know his hidden impulses except for that person's spirit? 
so it is with God. His thoughts and his secrets are only fully understood by his spirit, the spirit of the living God. For we did not receive the spirit of this world system, but the spirit of God, so that we might come to understand and experience all that grace has lavished upon us. And we articulate these realities with words and songs imparted to us by the Holy Spirit and not with words taught by human wisdom. We join together, we join together, we join together spirit-revealed truths with spirit-revealed words. Someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelations of God's Spirit because they make no sense to him. He can't understand the revelations of the Spirit because they are only discovered by the illumination of the Spirit. Those who live in the Spirit are able to carefully evaluate all things, all things, and they are subject to the scrutiny of no one but God. For whoever has ever intimately known the mind of Lord Yahweh well enough to become his counselor? The answer, Christ has. And we possess Christ's perceptions. Y'all don't understand how miraculous that scripture is. It says, we believers possess the Holy Spirit. This is the commentary. Who reveals the thoughts and purposes of Jesus. The revelation of the kingdom of God that Jesus preached was not understood by the intellect of men, but by those who welcomed his truth. Humanly speaking, no one can understand the mysteries of God without the Holy Spirit. Those who have the Holy Spirit now possess the perceptions of Christ's mind and can implement His purposes on earth. Not my will, but your will. I'm telling you, this is a season. I am not the only one saying this, but this is a season that the Holy Spirit is pouring out power and glory on all flesh. And you're going to have to know your role in this day and hour. You're going to have to know where you're going to be positioned in your heart to be able to receive the King of glory. And you have to make sure that Every place in your heart, all those places I just listed, the, the stony places, the mountains or the valleys, the point of it is the crooked places. The Holy Spirit is saying, we have these. And if you want, and if you want to build a culture of protection and safety, then you have to be willing to be your brother's keeper. You have to be willing to have the audacity to say to someone, hey, that's messed up. Like I said the other day, hey, that's not right. That's not the new man. Because, you know, you're really just talking to a spirit and you're really just talking to immaturity. And what what person wouldn't want you to save your little kid from running out in the street? 
It's just that simple, that that is what God's saying, and that's what He's doing in this hour. I love this in my last verse, Proverbs 29, 18. It says, Where there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. But when you follow the revelation of the word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. He said this, he said the Hebrew word for prophetic vision can be a vision of the night, a dream, an oracle, a revelation. It says where there is no prophetic seer or interpretation, people wander away. I propose to you that that's what has happened in this day and hour. That this generation has not been able to witness the power and glory of God that's about to be poured out. And people are going to run to know Jesus. People are going to run to the altar. And we have better be ready. We have better have made the crooked places straight. We have better leveled out the valleys. We have better taken down the mountain of pride in order for when they come, we're going to look like Jesus. Come on. Wow, such a good word. Thank you, Tisa. You know, I think that I that verse, I don't have it in front of me right now, but the verse that says, you know, we can rejoice in our troubles, basically, that comes to my mind because I never have quite understood it because I've always felt like, you know, I don't feel like rejoicing when I'm, <laughs> this does not feel like something I should be grateful for. This feels backwards. But it is occurring to me with this message on Sunday, like like she said, we asked for the leaven to be revealed because we, we want it to come out. We want to be able to see it. And so we can celebrate. I am celebrating what happened on Sunday, no matter what anyone's reaction was, because it's a revealing with exactly what we want to happen. So we want that fire to fall and we want it to, I mean, what does fire also do? It lights things up. It provides light. So it helps us to see the things that are, are actually, you know, we're, um, gosh, I can't even think of a, of a perfect analogy for it, but there are long time ago, I used to work in this lab and they tested for, um, toxins for people who were having all these medical problems and they thought they might be being exposed to certain metals or fibers in their carpets that they were allergic to. So we would do this intensive testing on things in their environment just to find this little tiny little needle in a haystack that they were actually living with in their house that was causing them to be deathly ill. And so like by the time they'd gotten to this point where they were trying things at our lab, you know, it was it was pretty severe. They'd been suffering for years. I mean, really debilitated. And that's what we're doing. I mean, that's we're living with this tiny little sliver of something that's a toxin to us. And it's not it's not our fault. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean that you just messed up and you need to be punished or condemned or anything. It's just this is life. You know, this is how life happens. And so we want somebody to come along. I mean, these people were paying thousands and thousands of dollars just to, for us to test their carpet. And most of the time we said, no, your carpet's fine. I mean, I mean, tons of money is spent trying to find what's making me feel this way in the medical world, you know, in the physical realm. We, we spend all kinds of money in the, in this culture to find what's wrong, right? But we don't do it in our, in our life, in our soul. 
And, and this is the opportunity he's saying, what was the verse that she started off with? I think it was Psalms 130. He has a thousand ways to save us, right? I say, I will watch and wait for you, O God, throughout the night. O Israel, keep hoping, keep trusting, and keep waiting on the Lord, for he is tenderhearted kind and forgiving. He has a thousand ways to set you free. He himself will redeem you. He will ransom you from the cruel slavery of your sins. And again, sins are those stumbling blocks. It's not like a, you know, some horrible thing you've done. It's just these things that we have embedded in us that are still toxins and affecting us. So if you are under a uh, pressure, if you're experiencing pain in your life, if you're experiencing something that's unpleasant and you know you don't like it, even if you don't know what to do about it, all you have to do is to get down on your on your face, on your knees and be humble and say, I'm broken in this place. And that's that's what I was hearing during worship was that there was freedom here for the taking and the freedom is in the breaking. It's when you just admit that you're broken. You just say, I don't even know what this is. I don't know why I'm feeling this way. I don't know why I do these things. I don't know why my life is in this condition. I'm broken here. Just admit that. Just say that in humility and say, I need you. I need one or two or three or four or five or however many of those thousands ways that you have to save me and to free me to come and be open to hearing. Just be open. Pursue it no matter what it takes. No one is here interested in condemning anyone or shaming anyone. Those are all things we're trying to set people free from. So run to the fire, run to the light. So Jesus, we just say thank you. We just say thank you that you came with a fierceness. You came with a fierceness. You, not only did you pay all of the, the price for all of our sins and for the, our healing and all of that on the cross, but you came with every weapon of warfare needed to free us and set us free and to redeem us and restore us. You've promised to do it all. You've given us one over a thousand words of encouragement, over a thousand promises that you want to do it, that you're willing to do it. You've given commands to those around us that that's up to them to do it too. It is so obviously your heart that you want us to be healed and set free and whole. So we thank you, Jesus, and we just will do the one thing you ask us to do and we'll get humble and say, please help me. Please help me. And we will let go of everything that we've been clinging to. I saw this picture during worship also that some of us are just, we have this piece of paper of the ways that we felt like we've been wronged or the things we don't like about life or the things we think are unfair and we're just clinging to it. It's like a, a crumbled up piece of paper and you're just clenching it with a tight fist in your hands and you refuse to let it go. And he said today that if you will just let go and rip the paper up and see what happens, just rip it in half. Just rip it in half and see what happens, that there is freedom in that place. He already knows how you feel about it. He already knows. Jesus, you already know how we feel about it. And you want to bring a solution. So Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would move through the room right now and that you would convict every single person of this, what that next step is for them, what the next step in applying this message to them personally is. We're just going to take just a minute for you to whisper to that to us, Holy Spirit. What's the next step? Just the next one thing.
So Holy Spirit, we just say thank you for what you've spoken to us right now. We say we trust you and we are willing to listen. We're willing to partner with the next one thing that you told us. We will open the door and we will walk through it and we'll see what's on the other side. And I just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're going to be there to not only convict, but to comfort. And so I thank you, Holy Spirit, that every place that you shine a light, every place that you move in people's hearts like this, you're right there with the comfort that they need. And I just declare right now that they will experience the comfort immediately. They will experience the comfort before they understand what's what's to come, before they understand what's necessary of them, before they understand anything else intellectually about it, they will receive your comfort. So we thank you, Holy Spirit, for who you are. And we thank you for what you're doing in this room and in this tribe and in people all over the world. Thank you for helping us to open ourselves up for what you're pulling us into so that your glory will fill us literally, that it will be what we what we eat, what we drink, what we ingest, what we, what we breathe in will be your glory. Thank you that the greatest days to be on earth are right here, right now, right in front of us. And thank you that you care so much about us that you want us to be ready for it. So I speak a blessing over every person hearing this message today. And we say, let it be done. Let it be so. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.